It's called uh, What Faith Does. It's the title of the song. chapter 12, and I think this message, uh, kind of one of the things that got me thinking about this message is uh, the time of year that it is. Anybody know what big holiday is today? I guess you could almost call it a holiday. Anybody know what it is? No, that's like a real thing. I'm kind of, I'm almost joking. I guess you could say it's Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, you know, it's almost like a holiday. It's a big deal to people these days. And you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get up here and preach against the Super Bowl today. Uh, you know, I enjoy watching sports probably as much as anybody. Um, I, I almost feel bad because like we're not going to be here tonight, but we're going to church. We're not going. We're going to. We're visiting another one. We're not skipping out so I can watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, that ha- that's happened before. Uh, you know, my wife's birthday is always around the Super Bowl, so it always work. Usually works out that way. But um, I was thinking about just how big of a deal the Super Bowl is, and how many people watch it. And you know, I think the last Super Bowl I actually watched was a few years ago when the Bears were there. And uh, they did just an awful job in that game. And I only saw the second half. It was pretty much over by the time it got there. But uh, it, it is, it's a, Super Bowl is a big deal to people. A lot of people watch it. A lot of it's because of hype and things. But I was thinking about at, at these Super Bowl games. Well, let me read, I was reading some statistics on the last Super Bowls. But it said 
an estimated 108.4 million people watched Super Bowl 47, making it fall short of setting the fourth straight uh, viewership record. And uh, I guess the one the year before that was 111.3 million. And in 2010, there was 111 million viewers of that game. I mean, just uh, just huge numbers of people all watching the same thing. And I was thinking, you know, imagine the pressure of these players as they're going out there and they're playing these games knowing that not only are there all those thousands and thousands in the stands, but there's also uh, you know millions and millions all over watching them on television. And not just... Not only are there just large numbers of people watching these games, but you think about who's watching some of these games. I mean, there's probably there's uh, many Hall of Fame football players watching these games. People that have been there before and that have seen that. There's, I imagine, there's a lot of famous people and all the all the Hollywood people that you know everybody seems to worship and go crazy over. Maybe even the president. I don't know. Might even be watching this game. Sometimes you know governors and things, and maybe even presidents will show up at some of these games and will be there to watch. And I got to thinking about that because I thought, boy, that, there'd be kind of a lot of pressure there. That'd be a pretty big deal. But then in Hebrews 12, we see that we're being watched by not only a lot of people, but I would say some bigger names than, uh, definitely some bigger names than anybody that's going to be watching the Super Bowl today. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. This verse here says that we are compassed about. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. When it uses that term, great cloud, I mean, it's, just, it's a number that we can't even fathom. We can't, it's, it's going to probably be more, a lot more, than 110 million. We have no idea what the numbers would be on that, but it's just a cloud of witnesses. It's a multitude that cannot be numbered. And they're, they're watching. And notice how it says, because of that, let's lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily says, let us run with patience. You know, I personally believe reading between the lines in the Bible, I think the Apostle Paul may have been a sports fan. We don't know that Paul wrote Hebrews, but Paul used a lot of kind of sports analogies and things in his writings. I think he probably liked sports a little bit. And so he compared right here, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews kind of compares it to a race. And he said, let's lay aside the weights. If you're running in a race, if we have any runners in here, anybody that's ever been a runner, you don't weigh yourself down with things. You don't carry extra stuff. You wear light, the lightest clothing that you possibly can. You want to get rid of any extra weight that you can so you can run a little bit better. So you can do a better job. And as Christians, there are sins that we have in our lives that will hinder our race that we're running. We will not run as good of a race if we have certain sins. But not only sins, but even weights. I think weights could be things that are not necessarily sins. For example, I don't think being a sports fan is a sin. However, if you allow sports to keep you out of the house of God and to keep you from serving God, that now has become a weight and it 
in turn, it can become a sin. It's keeping you from running a good race. And we want to keep those things out because we're what we've got a lot of people watching. And I think about in the Super Bowl, we would have you'd be upset if you went and were watching the game tonight. And uh, Peyton Manning, I know he's a, he's one of the quarterbacks in the game, one of the only guys I even know who's playing. Uh, but uh, Peyton Manning, he's going to be one of the quarterbacks. You know, I think a lot of people would be upset if he showed up at the game and just didn't seem to really be trying. Maybe he gets tackled one time and he gives up and he walks off the field. And all his fans that were pulling for him to go all the way and to win that Super Bowl, they're going to be upset. And he's like, well, you know, I had a headache. I wasn't feeling real good. You know, it's like, hey, the fans, they're not going to accept that. They're going to be mad. And boy, people hate it. I remember there was one quarterback. It was one of the Bears quarterbacks. This was a while back. Don't remember what all was going on. But the Bears weren't doing good. And he had actually gotten taken out of the game. And he was seen on uh, the cameras had him on the sidelines. I remember he was laughing about something and smiling. And I remember the fans were furious because they're like, "Why? What is he doing, having fun and smiling when they're doing this bad?" I mean, it really it really upset him because people care a lot about football. <laughs> and and I you know like I said I enjoy watching sports, but I don't get really that emotional over it. But we have, but we're in a race. If you're saved today, you are in a race, and there's people that are watching you. Who are these witnesses that it talks about? Notice the very first word in this chapter says "wherefore," and whenever you see it, "wherefore," I've heard you know what's the wherefore, therefore, and things like that. Well, if you go to the previous passage, look back at the previous passage in Hebrews chapter eleven. That's what we call the Hall of Faith. This is where we see a group of people that are mentioned, several, that showed faith. These are those that practiced faith. These are people, some of them that preached faith. And more importantly than preaching faith, these people lived faith. They lived it. They experienced And these are people, some of them, are, these are some of the people that we are compassed about. I believe there's people right now that in a, to a certain extent, I don't know how far, but they can see what's going on spiritually. They can see what we're doing. Those loved ones that we have that have gone on before. I think that there's there's certain things that they know about and can watch based on this Scripture here. People that we love and care about. And I I believe they're in heaven cheering us on. And I think that if we could hear what they were saying, I think when we look at these people, and we don't have time to do kind of an in-depth study on all these people. But in Hebrews 11, it names several of them. And I believe that these people are watching what's going on. They may be watching your life specifically. So we don't know for sure. But these witnesses, these are people that are... So they're, a witness is somebody that's seen something. Something that has experienced something. They know something. Like in court, you will call a witness and that's somebody that maybe they saw you there. They saw you there at the time of the crime. Or maybe they saw you somewhere else. And they can prove that you weren't there. They're people that know firsthand. These people, they know, they are witnesses to the fact that faith works. And they are the spectators of us today. We live in the day that they had faith would someday come. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. These people looked forward and they by faith believed in our day. 
and and uh, in the in the church and in God uh, working through the Gentiles. It says in verse thirty four, it says, "Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, were made strong. Wax valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment." They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they which without us should be should not be made perfect. These people, they didn't... These Old Testament saints, they believed in the coming of the Messiah. It hadn't happened yet. They believed in the you know the Word of God that we would be given. They believed in the Gospel even though they didn't have it. We have the Gospel today. We have it. We've been said they would not uh, that without us should not be made perfect. What they believed in, it was in part. It wasn't complete. The final sacrifice had not been made in the cross. These people, though, but yet they still believed God. They still trusted Him. Even though they didn't have the Gospels, even though the Messiah had not come, they trusted in God. And they looked forward to our day. So we, you know, we're always looking forward to the next thing. We'll all look forward to heaven. You know, when Jesus Christ comes back and rules and reigns on this earth. But they looked forward to our day. It says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, you don't have to turn there, but Isaiah 11.10 says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. This is talking about Jesus Christ. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. That was prophesied in the Old Testament that there was coming a day where it wasn't going to be just about the Jews, but even the Gentiles were going to have some place that they could go and some place where they could get, uh, receive forgiveness and where they could go and they could have fellowship with God the Father. And that was Jesus Christ. We know who He was because we have the Gospels. They didn't. They believed in Him by faith. And these are some of the very people that are watching us today. And when we see what they, when they see what we have today, I believe they're probably, and talking about the Scriptures, they're probably a lot like the people who played football back in the day with the leather helmets. I wonder what those guys think sometimes when they see these players now with all that fancy equipment and things. I wonder what some of those players think when they see the salaries and things that some of these guys are making. They see all the... Uh, I've seen it before when these poor football players are making millions of dollars playing in the freezing cold. You know, we all feel sorry for them. You know, they've got these you know heated sections and things that they can sit in to keep them warm and stuff when they're on the sidelines. And I wonder what them old timers think when they see that. Man, back in our day, we just had to freeze. You know, we we had to play in the cold. I got frostbit. You know, when we I wonder what they think. And today we have so much just with just with the scriptures. That I'm telling you that those them saints from the past, they've got to be thinking, what's holding these people back? Why don't they have faith? Why aren't they doing more for God? When we think about what we have with as far as technology and the ability to communicate and travel, I wonder what guys like the Apostle Paul think when they see how we're getting what little we do to get the gospel out. When guys like him, they had to travel 
on foot and on camel or on by ship all over the place. And we can get around so easy anymore. So with the telephones and internet and things, there's so many ways that we can communicate. And to think these people, they look forward to that day. The amount of faith that it took for them. I believe it was more than us. Because we're looking back on these things. We look back on what Jesus Christ did. We know we have the Scriptures. And I believe we have fans today that are watching us from the stands in heaven. I believe they're cheering us on. And you know what they're probably even doing a little bit? Maybe coaching us from the stands. Have you ever been to a game before? And maybe that you know those kids are out there playing. It's, it's young people. Maybe there's some dad on the sideline. And he's trying to coach his kid while there's a coach on the other side trying to coach the kid too. And, you know, and everybody's screaming at these kids to, you know, to do certain things. It's, it's part of the game. It's part of the fun. But you know what? I, I said I picture in heaven some of these Old Testament saints and even New Testament ones watching what we're doing. Watching me and maybe me, me personally in my life. Maybe watching this church. And you know, I think if we look at what the Bible says about these people, I think we could probably get an idea of what they might be saying. And I want to talk about listening to the witnesses. I think about Abel. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. You know what I think Abel's probably yelling? I, I, I can just picture Abel yelling, Listen to the coach! Listen to the coach. You know what? There are religions all over the place that are trying to tell people that the way to heaven is by works. Hey, come to church, do confession, get baptized, be good enough, whatever, and you'll go to heaven. And we see in the Bible, in the story of Cain and Abel, that Cain, he brought the fruit of the ground. He brought the work of his hands. But God was not... Willing to, God did not accept that gift. But Abel, he went, and like God wanted, he sacrificed the blood of an innocent lamb. And God was pleased with that sacrifice. And Abel, he was accounted, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abel is in heaven today. Abel practiced faith. What Cain was doing, it looked a lot harder, probably even looked a little bit better. I'll bet that I can just picture that sacrifice. He's bringing the fruit of the ground. He probably had it all stacked up there neatly and looking pretty. Have you ever seen, you know, that, just that stack of fruit all there? I mean, it just, it just looks good. It looks pretty. It makes you, makes you hungry seeing that. And that looked a lot better, but it wasn't what God said to do. And you know, sometimes God's going to tell us to do things that might not appear like what it doesn't look like what we think we ought to do. It might go against what everybody else is telling us to do. But let me tell you, God knows what He's talking about. And just like coaches, they try so hard to get their teams to learn to listen to them and to pay attention and to follow their instructions. But sometimes you get those players that they think they know better. They think they got a better plan, and they'll go and just do their own thing. And you know, you might be able to get away with that in a basketball game or in a football game, but you're not going to get away with that in life. And God, we need to listen to the coach, coach with a capital C, talking about God. Another one we see here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because. God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know what I think Enoch's probably saying? I've said this in games before. Maybe you see that team. They're outnumbered. They're, or they're outmatched. They're outsized. They're outskilled. They're out, I mean, they're, they're better across the board. And you see them guys out there and they look like they're just giving up. And you just yell, try harder. You know, I think that's probably what Enoch's saying. Try harder. You know what he said there? It says uh, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, there's people all over. There are people in this area. You probably know people like this. Yeah, I tried the church thing. I, I'm, I'm trying to be a better person, but I, I just can't seem to get any victory. I'm trying to make it out to church. I'm trying to get to know God. I'm trying to have faith. But I just can't seem to do it. And you know what their problem is? They don't try real hard. I mean, it's amazing what little things can stop people from doing things that they know they should do. It doesn't take much. And sometimes I just, you know, you hear these people making all excuses and it's like, try harder. Just try a little bit harder. The Bible says that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Use some diligence. Put a little bit of effort into it. We see in the Bible that Enoch he walked with God. Enoch pleased God. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch, but I believe based on the Scripture that he just diligently went looking for God. I mean, it was he was a man on a mission. It was what he wanted to do. And I guarantee you, it didn't come easy. I guarantee you, it took some time. I guarantee you, he had some failures along the way. But he kept trying. He was diligent in it. And I can just see Enoch up there in heaven. He sees maybe he's looking down on you, and you're trying to have faith, but boy, it's tough. And you're you're about ready to give up, and you're just thinking, you know what? I want to call it quits. And Enoch, he's been there before. He's been in your position. He remembers when he was searching for God and when he was looking. And I can just see him in heaven. He knows, like man, man, they're that close. If they would just keep trying, if they try just a little harder, they'd be right there. I know they can do this, and I can just see him from heaven screaming, "Try harder." But you know, unfortunately, we don't we don't always try real hard. I remember one time at my dad's church, they had a basketball team there, and we were watching a ball game, and it was a pretty close game. And the team they were playing, you know, they were they were probably better than them. And I'll never forget it. They're playing and they're fighting hard, and all of a sudden, one of the guys on that team went and broke on the other team broke away with the ball and went and dunked it. And I remember seeing our guys' faces when that guy dunked the ball. And it was like after that they're like, they have a guy that can dunk. We haven't got a chance. <laughs> and it was like they just gave up. They felt, I mean, it was awful. The rest of the game, it was pretty good up to that point. But after that guy dunked it, it was all downhill. They gave up. But it was just like, try harder. And you know, it's easy for us to yell it from the stands. And I was never on a basketball team. But you know, I like to coach from the bench and, you know, yell at people to try harder and scream at them for missing the shot. But you know what? These people in heaven, they're not yelling at us and talking to us about something and cheering us on of something they haven't done. These are people, the Bible says, they they did it. They experienced faith. They had faith. And Enoch, he was one of those. And I think he would tell us, if we could hear him, he'd be saying, just try harder. I can't seem to have victory. I'm having doubts. Well, try harder. Seek God a little harder. Read your Bible a little bit more. Pray a little bit more. Just keep on trying. And then in verse 7, we see, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, 
prepared an ark to the saving of His house, by the which He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You know the story of Noah and the ark. God told Noah, I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. Go build a boat. And Noah, he moved with fear. What? A flood's coming? A global, worldwide flood? And he did. He worked hard. He said, man, i got to get that boat built. i got to protect my wife. i got to protect my family. And he did. He built that ark just like God told him to do. He got his family in that ark. He had faith. And sure enough, just like God said, the flood came. We see in the story that after Noah went into, that, went into the ark, I believe it was seven days before the rain started. For seven days, they sat there in that ark probably looking really stupid. Probably feeling a little bit foolish. They're in there with all those animals. It was probably starting to smell in there. They're getting a little bored. I mean, how much could there be to do in that ark? It wasn't like one of these cruise liners with all the neat stuff they have on it today. And they're in there probably feeling pretty foolish. But sure enough, just like God said, the rain started to come. The rain came for 40 days and 40 nights and flooded the entire earth and everyone died with the exception of Noah and his family. Thank God he listened to the warning. He had faith that what God said was true. And I believe that Noah, he's probably up there in heaven. He's, I, can just, I can just see him watching us. And maybe we've got that loved one that we know they need to be saved. And boy, we're, we're putting it off. We're not working real hard on trying to win people to Christ. And Noah, he knows what God said about the tribulation. He knows about the coming destruction of the world by fire that we read about in Revelation. I can just picture it off there in heaven saying, hurry up, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Boy, sometimes we act like the Lord's Nowhere near coming. Like we've got all the time in the world. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how much time we have left to reach somebody for Christ and to reach the world for Christ. Judgment is coming. We better take the warnings that God gave us in the book of Revelation very serious and do whatever we can to bring our loved ones to Christ, to tell them about Jesus, I mean, to get them into the house of God, whatever we've got to do. And I can just see, I can just see Noah there saying, judgment is coming. He, I believe he preached it for years there on the earth and people probably laughed at him. They made fun of him. We see that Noah, he was, he was a preacher of righteousness. He warned people about the flood. But you know, Noah, he didn't get one convert other than his family. He had his wife, his three sons, and their wives. That was it. Nobody listened. And you might think, man, I've warned people, I've tried to tell people, but nobody's listened. You know, I can just picture Noah up there. Look at him giving up just because people aren't listening. Hey, you still got to do it. You still got to keep preaching the gospel. You got to keep on warning people. You got to at least make sure you get your family in. At least make sure you can win, win them. Get your wife. Get your children. Get your grandchildren. Get them in before it's too late because judgment is coming. And he believed that by faith. And then also we see Abraham. I just picture Abraham up in heaven. He's probably yelling it. Just give it all you got. Give it all you got. We see, we're not going to take time to read the story, but it mentions by faith Abraham when he was called to go to a place. God called him out of his country. God told him to go to another strange land to go look for a city. He he looked for he was looking for a Bible says look for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. By faith he went. We know the story in verse seventeen through nineteen. We see where 
says, By faith uh, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he received him in a figure. Abraham, when God told him to do something, Abraham immediately acted. He didn't think about what he had or what he stood to lose. I love what it says in Romans chapter 4, verse 18-25. through uh, We're not going to take time to read it, but when God called him to leave and to go to that new land, the Bible says he staggered not at that. I mean, he, he didn't even hesitate. God would tell Abraham to do something? Okay. You know, I, I, the Bible doesn't really say for sure what all Abraham did and how it all happened. But you know, anytime you ever see a movie about Abraham and the part where he's sacrificing Isaac, you know, he's always greatly troubled and greatly disturbed and just agonizing as he's raising that knife about to kill his son. From everything that we see about Abraham in the Bible, I don't know that that's what he did. Because we see here in Hebrews that he knew that God could raise him from the dead. He's like, God told me to give my son, to sacrifice my son. God also promised that God was going to multiply my seed through Isaac, like the stars of heaven. So God knew that God, Abraham knew that God can't lie. So if I kill my son, God's going to have to raise him from the dead. And Abraham just he went and did it. He was willing to leave his family and leave the place where uh, you know where he was from. He was able to leave everything he had. He was able to willing to give his own son for God. And you know, sometimes in sports, you'll be watching somebody and it's like they're not trying to act like they're about to die. They get out of breath a little bit and they just they give up. And you know, people, they just yell, give it all you got. Try a little harder. Maybe somebody running in a race and they're getting weary and they're getting tired. I can't run another step. Yes, you can. Give it all you got. You're not going to die. God will provide. I love what Abraham told Isaac. God will provide. When he's like, hey, there's no lamb for the sacrifice. God will provide. And that's what God always does. God will take care of what you need. You might be tired. I haven't got any more strength. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die. No, God's going to take care of you. God's going to provide. You can get through this. Abraham, he lived it. He experienced it firsthand. Faith worked for Abraham. God bless him. Also, Sarah. This is why I picture Sarah yelling during a game. I picture Sarah yelling, pay no attention to the scoreboard. <laughs> Have you ever been in a game before and maybe the team, they just start getting way behind? They're way behind and it's like they give up. And I've yelled it before. Ignore the scoreboard. You're down by 40, but you're still in it. You can, you, can still, you can still do this. And I picture Sarah yelling the same thing based on verse 11. Notice what it says about Sarah in verse 11. It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged Him faithful who had promised. Notice that that's how Sarah is remembered in the book of Hebrews. But what do we usually remember Sarah for when she was told she was going to have a child in her old age? She started laughing. She named him Isaac, which means laughter. Because she's like, what? I'm 90 years old. In fact, when she laughed about it, she was, I can't remember how many years, she was quite a bit younger than that. I almost think God made her wait till she was 90 until she had faith. 
And you know what? She did. It says here that somewhere along the lines, though she quit laughing, Abraham too, he fell on his face laughing, the Bible says. Well, there's no way. There's no way. It's too late. And you know what? Sometimes we do that. If we start doing the math, you know, it's, uh, it's too late for me to do anything for God. It's too late for me to get things right. It's too late for me to win anybody to Christ. Or it's too late for that person to get saved. Their, their life is just down the toilet way too much. They're too far gone. Let me tell you something. When it comes to God, when it comes to faith, you don't pay attention to the scoreboard. You don't look at what the scoreboard says. You just trust God. Have faith. I've seen some pretty good comebacks in games. And let me tell you something. God, through the Bible, has made people come back from things that we can't even comprehend. He made people come back from the dead. Hey, after you're dead, you're supposed to be done, aren't you? But yet, we saw Jesus often raise people from the dead. Even one that had been dead for four days, Jesus was able to raise from the dead. We, as When it comes to faith, you don't pay attention to the scoreboard. And what I mean by that, you don't pay attention to the circumstances. There are some folks out there you look at, it's like, boy, you know, if God saved them, I can see God doing great things to them. Maybe because they're, you know, they got the right personality. They're pretty good people. They haven't messed their lives up too bad. But you know what? The truth is, many times God uses those that, the Bible says He uses the foolish things of the world to confound those that are wise. God might want to use that drunk that's out there. There might be some guy that's out there, you know, laying in a ditch, vomiting somewhere. Being drunk, that might be the one that God uses. We look at that and say there's no way. But faith can look at that and say, you know what? God can still take that person. God can still use them. God still loves that person. Those that are, that are in prison today that deserve to be there. God could take those people. If they'd give their hearts to Him, He could save their soul. He could turn their life around. He could use them in a great way. Common sense says, no, there's no way. If you do the math, if you look at the scoreboard, there's absolutely no way. But I think Sarah, she's in heaven saying, pay no attention to the scoreboard. You might be looking at yourself and you're doing the math and you're saying, there's no way I can do anything for God. You might be looking at our church. There's no way we can do anything. You know, we're too small. We're, too, we're not ready. We can't do that. Don't pay attention to the scoreboard. Don't even look at it. Just have faith. Also, we see that Moses... In verse 24, we don't have time to mention all the, go through all the people that are mentioned. But it says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. You know, I wish I could preach this passage to the whole town. I mean, everybody in town and say, listen, just because you do the right thing doesn't mean everything's going to turn good for you all of a sudden. We see here that Moses, that he chose not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and in doing that, he was doing the right thing, but it also says he chose rather to suffer affliction than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. When Moses did the right thing, it hurt him. It got him in trouble for a while. If he would have done the wrong thing, good things would have happened to him. He would have had fun for a little while, for a season. But Moses, he had faith. He suffered for a while. But then the recompense of his reward, it paid off. 
It definitely paid off for Moses. Moses today, if we could talk to him, if we could hear him from the stands, I'd be, I believe Moses would be yelling, ignore the pain, it's worth it. Moses, he suffered. But he would tell you, hey, that suffering, it's worth it. You try doing the right thing, you might have to suffer some heartache. You might have to suffer the loss of some friends. You might even suffer some physical pain. And you might suffer the loss of some material things that will bring you pain. But let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. I believe most of the time. Hey, it's worth it. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can give up that up. I can just see Moses give it up. It's worth it. It's worth it. Ignore the pain. Who cares about what you're going through? Man, it's hard trying to do right. It's hard to be faithful. I'm down. I'm discouraged. I can just hear Moses. Don't give up. It's all worth it. Moses suffered greatly, but he would tell you today, it's worth it. Once we stand before God, I was thinking about that the other day. Just I was thinking about you know all that I do, and I thought you know what if I stood before God someday, and He wasn't able to say, "Well done." That's I thought that that's what I want to hear more than anything. I want when I stand before God, I want Him to say, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." You know who cares if all the world says you're doing a great job. But God doesn't say that. He's the one that I'm trying to serve. He's the one I want to please. He's the one I want to hear it from. And sometimes you've got to ignore the pain. It is. It's worth it. But I believe all the saints. We're not going to read the passage again, but 32-40, through we see all these things they went through. I like what it says, "...and what shall I more say for the time would fail me to tell?" And then he starts naming all these people. We don't have time to talk about all the people in the Old Testament that showed faith and that did great things for God. We don't have time to talk about it, but I believe every one of them, we see some of the things they went through. It was horrible. Many of these people it talks about, they died. They were sawn asunder. According to history, the Bible doesn't record it, but Isaiah, they say he was cut in half. That was the way that he died. I mean, horrible death that they went through. Read verses 32-40. through 40. And I think every one of those people there in heaven, all those martyrs, they're there just saying, never give up. Finish the course. You finishing your course might be death. That's how you finish it. And really, that's the way it is for all of us. We're supposed to keep on going until that day comes where the Lord calls us home. And I believe they're cheering us on. Just don't quit. Just keep on going. When it comes to running a race, the most important thing coaches will try to teach them is just finish. Finish the course. Finish the race. Hey, you might not come in first, but finish the course. Just keep on going. Don't don't care how long it takes people that run marathons. Alright. You know, your brother just went to heaven. He ran I heard him say he ran in the Chicago Marathon. Alright, that's wow. I mean that that's that's impressive to run a marathon. You know most people who run marathons, most of them, what their goal is, it's just to finish. Because that's a huge accomplishment to finish one of those. And that ought to be our goal. I don't know if any of us in here are going to make get the best Christian ever award when we get to heaven. And you know, I'm not really looking for that one. But I am looking for a well done from God. And I am wanting to finish my course. And that ought to be your desire. But you're going to have to have faith. And listen by faith to what those witnesses might be saying. They're watching what's going on. And maybe not just these people, maybe people that you know, people in your own life that are in heaven right now. They're watching 
And I, I believe they're saying many of these same things when you're about ready to give up. Listen by faith to what they have to say and keep on going for God. So let's all stand together.